Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are and whenever you are. Welcome back to our series on the spiritual life. So let's pick up right where we left off. And where was that? Well, we're exploring a passage that deals with the spiritual life found in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 3, verse 4. And I'm recording this today from the great state of Montana in the beautiful city of Great Falls. The weather is just gorgeous outside. And in Great Falls, I almost had a great fall today. I was walking across on the crosswalk, I wasn't jaywalking, of a busy intersection and a big truck ran the light and missed me by about a foot. To make things worse, a vehicle was blocking the crosswalk a bit when it happened. Very thankfully, I'm okay, although it took a while for the adrenaline to wear off. And I may have used, let me be honest, I did use a colorful word, anyway, a bad word, to myself. I guess God really is changing me from the inside out. I think in former days I would have directed that to somebody, but I just I just said it, and I'm not making an excuse for it. That's sin. That's wrong. But I've confessed and I've been forgiven. But I better stop here because this is starting to sound like a bragamony, not a testimony to the goodness of God and His protection for us in this evil world. And if you're one of the two men involved with this, and if you're listening here, I forgive you completely. I could see the terror in your faces, and yes, we were that close. I will take anything God permits from His hand. It's just easier to handle that when his hand doesn't look like a big Dodge Ram truck. <laughs> uh, don't get all theological on me here, especially you as stu- students of the Word of God. I'm just, I'm just sharing my heart here. Anyway, let's go. The deep thing of God is Jesus and Him crucified. The same Jesus that gives me grace and allows me to extend that grace to others undeserving like me. We're exploring five points this passage in 1 Corinthians makes, and we cover the first two. And I don't expect you to remember that, so let's quickly, and I mean quickly here, hopefully, review these next two points. Point one, you want the truth? Get your Bible. You want the truth? Get your Bible. Don't be looking elsewhere. You'll find all kinds of stuff out there, but all of them will be laced with pain and, most importantly, disappointment. You want solid. You want true. You want something that's not fake news. Stick with the Bible. This is the anchor of our souls, okay? The anchor of our souls. And that imagery is so beautiful and very, very ancient. I remember visiting a catacomb in the northwest part of Rome years ago with my family where Jewish believers in Jesus and Gentiles as well were buried and this anchor symbol was there. There was two little fish right next to it. So cool, right? Well, here in the first world, we aren't really exposed to the same things that those saints of the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd century were exposed to. We're not being fed to lions, but this is our heritage. And in many other parts of the world today, people are suffering, even martyrdom, dying for their faith, in great pains. And when the time comes for us to join them, we need to be ready. Okay, so part of being ready is being mature spiritually, okay? So let's pray. Let's pray right now. Avinu Shabashamayim, or Father in Heaven, Give us the fortitude to stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, those whose feet are firmly planted on your mighty shoulders, Yeshua. Be and sustain our brothers. Be with and sustain our brothers and sisters all around the world who are living this reality right now, this reality of suffering. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so point one is simple. The Bible has the goods. Point two that we learned is that the Spirit illuminates our mind to understand the deep things of God. And the most important deep thing is, what? 
Jesus and him crucified, a stumbling block or something people trip on to those who want to earn their way to heaven, both Jews and Gentiles, and mad crazy foolishness to the erudite man or woman of the world. So here is some other points Paul makes that we want to focus on today, okay? So I was hoping to really be kind of quick and easy with this podcast, but it might be quick, but it's not going to be easy. So let's slow down just a little bit. You know, I hate when I have to tell people, as a teacher, we don't have time to explore this. My goodness, this is a blog slash podcast. We do have time. By the way, it is a blog as well, so I do write. In fact, I just posted my first um, writing thing here. I will also read it out loud with my own voice so you can listen to it, so you can uh, listen to it while you're on the go. And you know what? Even though there's maybe two of you listening, if the two of you share it with others, God can multiply this and bring glory to himself, right? So here's some points Paul makes in verses 10 and 11 and in in, uh, verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4 of chapter 3. Uh, I'm so thankful here for Dr. Fruchtenbaum. has done a terrific job extracting the essence of this text. As always, go to ariel.org, A-R-I-E-L.org. The website's getting better. We're working on it. Okay, okay. So here are the sub-points. So the Holy Spirit illuminates our mind, this is point two, illuminates our mind to understand the deep things of God. And here's some sub-points, okay? Men and women are classified according to their capacity to get this. And there are four types. There's the natural man or woman, the baby man or woman, the carnal man or woman, and finally the spiritual man or woman. Now, I'm going to leave you hanging for a bit here. We'll explore this a little bit later on and more the next series, okay? But not yet. you got to come back. But just get this. The goal of the spiritual life is what? Maturity. Maturity. So being spiritual is what you want, right? Nahon, correcto. That's uh, that means right, and uh, and exactly means in Hebrew is bidiuk. And I always point the point of my nose when I say that in Hebrew, bidiuk. And Israelis tend to hold all five fingers together, pointing up. Like Italians do that too, saying wait, be patient, you know. Or you can also say rega, rega, wait, wait. And uh, Hebrew lesson is over. Let's continue. So we saw these first two points. The first point being that the Bible's got the goods. And point two is that the Spirit illuminates our mind, okay? Now, point three, and this is the new stuff, is is really obvious. We have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I know I hammered that point a few episodes back, but it's so worth repeating it. The Holy Spirit works in us by revealing things to us by His Word. Here comes the thump. By His Word. For the love of God, don't go around telling people God told you this or that. I have yet to meet someone who does that that isn't all screwed up and wrong. And if you took offense to that, forgive me. I don't mean to hurt you, but stick with what has been revealed. The difference is that God reveals things to us through His Word. For example, I was reading this morning Psalm 51. I think it's in verse 6 that David prays and asks God not to remove His Spirit from him. Let me break this down and divide it into two parts. Knowledge of that verse is knowing that this is not a valid New Testament prayer. And if you want more information on that, see the uh, Messianic Bible study that I've put in the description here. Just click on that. It's free. Bottom line, today, once you receive the Holy Spirit, it's a seal. It's an assurance. It stays with you. Old Testament, not so much. And if you don't believe me, read that. Okay? That is knowledge. Anyone, even the natural person can see that. Now, when I was reading that prayerfully today, and to read something prayerfully just means to 
read and say, God, speak to me. Ask him. He's a father. He's dying to hear from you. That's not a good way to put that. He is waiting to hear from you. Okay? So ask him. So I was reading that prayerfully today. I suddenly saw with the eyes of my heart, if you will, that David was not asking God to bring his spirit back to him since he had sinned with Bathsheba. No, the spirit had never left him. It was there, being grieved and suffering right along with him as he sinned and after. You know, I felt a deep conviction and a deep sorrow for my sins of the past and this overwhelming sense of dependence on God's grace, his unmerited favor. That is not knowledge. That is the Spirit of God speaking through His Word. I, saw, I say that with tears in my eyes because I am a broken vessel, and so are you. You know, I've got to pray. Yahweh, my Lord and my God, Your grace is too high for me. I cannot attain it. So you brought it down to me. Your Son gave me His life, and I receive your spirit. Praise you, Lord God, in the name of the amazing Son, Yeshua, amen and amen. Get it? So knowledge is not spirit. Spirit is spirit, and spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Hopefully that makes more sense to you now. If you know little to diddly squat about the Bible, get knowledge. You will harm yourself and others without it. But don't let your love for his spirit grow cold. Okay, okay, I can't leave you hanging on the four kinds of people above, right? Now on. So, the first dude or dudette, the natural person, is the unbeliever. That's fairly self-explanatory. He don't believe. But if you have been around Christians long enough, you will meet people that say they are Christians and have knowledge. I'm thinking here of that lady from that dating show on TV that says these outrageous things and then claims to be a Christian. If you know what I'm talking about, great. But if you don't, don't waste your time. Even famous theologians are out there that know all this stuff, but they don't believe. They're the natural man, okay? No matter how hard he or she tries, he won't get it. These things are spiritual, and he is sp or she is spiritually dead. Not like our Mormon friends and neighbors teach. He is DRT, dead right there incapable of saving himself because his self is no longer self. It's dead. Get it? Good. Now, the second, third, and fourth people described above are just people that are believers but are in different stages of development or undevelopment, if you will. And we'll explore this more later. Now, all right, dudes and dudettes, put a fork in me. I am done. Dainu, enough. Time to start winding things down and see you next time as we look at the last two of the five main points in this passage in 1 Corinthians, including a deeper look into the dude to do debts above. Okay, shalom you all from Great Falls, Montana. Bye.